When I first uh, started dating my wife, Rochelle, I was introduced to the wide world of romantic comedies, or rom-coms, as they're sometimes called. And over the uh, years of our relationship, I have watched more romantic comedies than I can probably count. Uh, some that were actually very good, uh, others not so much, at least in my opinion. Um, but one of the key features of uh, romantic comedies is that there's often, um, in the middle of the movie, there's kind of an obstacle that is preventing the guy and girl from getting together. And often there's this kind of dramatic moment in the movie where you wonder, what's going to happen? Um, is everything going to fall apart? Or you know, how will these two get together? Now, of course, pretty much every romantic comedy, they do end up getting together at the end, and so you just kind of go through that. But, but part of the, what makes one of those movies good is developing the tension of how is this going to happen? What is the resolution going to be in this story? Well, in our text today, we actually see a similar kind of moment in the life of Ruth. Uh, we are in the middle of a four-week sermon series on the book of Ruth, and as we're looking at, at this book, we're, we're focusing on how it tells a story of redemption. Um, Ruth, we saw in the first chapter that we looked at a couple weeks ago, left her home country of Moab to go to Bethlehem with her mother-in-law, Naomi, after Naomi's husband and two sons had died while they were in Moab. Um, and after they arrived back in Bethlehem, we saw last week that Ruth went out to glean, uh, to gather the leftover grain that had fallen from the harvesters at a nearby field. And little did she know that the field she chose to glean in was actually, uh, it belonged to a man named Boaz, who happened to be a relative of Naomi's deceased husband, Elimelech. Um, and so last week we looked at how Boaz showed unexpected kindness to Ruth. Uh, how he promised her protection, invited her to eat with him, told his workers to leave extra grain for her on, to gather, and, uh, and we looked at that, that, that focus of, of his unexpected kindness. Um, and so when Ruth returned to Naomi that day, she, Naomi was shocked when she saw the amount of grain that Ruth had brought. Um, and when she learned that Ruth had gleaned at Boaz's field, suddenly it clicked because she knew who Boaz was. And, and, and Naomi went from this very bitter place at the end of chapter 1 to this rejoicing in the Lord and his provision at the end of chapter 2. Well, today we're going to turn to chapter 3 where Naomi comes up with a plan, a plan to bring Ruth and Boaz together in marriage. But as we're going to see, this plan is a risky one. And just kind of like a good rom-com, there is this tension built into the narrative today as we wonder what's going to happen with, with Ruth and Boaz. How will these two end up actually uh, together? And so my sermon title this morning is Risky Love. Uh, we're going to see how actually Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz all show in, in different ways risky love, love that is willing to take a risk, that is willing to, to risk something. And we're going to, as we look at this, we're also going to hopefully see how this is not just a, a love story about Ruth and Boaz, but actually it points ahead to God's love for us and to Jesus' love and how he is willing to risk and cost. Um, and we'll see that at, hopefully throughout this, this narrative. So our text today is Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. You can follow along in your Bibles, the Bibles in the pews or on, on the screen. It's behind me. One day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, 
Should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the gift of this book of Ruth to us, Lord, as, as we read about uh, this particular instance in, in the life of these, these individuals, Naomi, Ruth, and, and Boaz. We pray that today as we, as we look at this moment, God, that you would uh, show us the risk um, of love that, that led these different individuals to do what they did, but also uh, that through that we would see your great love um, for us, God. So open our ears and our hearts to receive from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, as we look at this, this larger idea of risky love in our text, we're going to look at, at each of these three characters in, in today's chapter and see how each of them shows risky love in their own way. And so we're going to start by looking at Naomi. And Naomi, um, she comes up with a risky plan, um, a risky plan. Uh, when Naomi got back from, uh, from Moab to Bethlehem, we saw at the end of chapter one that she felt her life was bitter. Uh, she had lost her husband, she'd lost her two sons, and you get the feeling that Naomi was kind of stuck in life after that. 
um, at the beginning of chapter 2, last week, when Ruth offers to go to the fields to glean some leftover grain, Naomi says, yeah, go ahead. But she just stays at home. Naomi doesn't offer to go with Ruth uh, to glean as well. Uh, you can kind of just have this sense that, that, that Naomi is, she doesn't have much hope. She doesn't have much drive. She's just kind of sitting there, you know, and, and waiting to see what will happen. But then, as we saw at the end of, of last week's chapter, Ruth returns with this huge haul of grain. And Naomi learns that Ruth had been to Boaz's field, and suddenly there's this change in her, right? Hope returns to Naomi. And she shouts out there at the end of chapter 2, The Lord bless him. That man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. Now this, this concept of a, a kinsman redeemer was something that we, was found in, in ancient Israel. Um, in, in, in Israel, in the laws of Israel, if someone got into a situation of, of significant need, it was expected that a close family member, a kinsman, would help that person out. That they would redeem them. They would do something to kind of redeem the situation, to buy back. So a couple examples that we see in, in the Old Testament, that if a man was, was so in debt that he sold himself into slavery, a kinsman redeemer would pay the price to redeem that person out of slavery, to, 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 to pay the price for that person, to who they were enslaved to. Another situation was if someone had to sell their property because of hard times. They, they, were, they were in such financial straits they had to sell all their property. A kinsman redeemer would come and buy the land back for that person to be able to give it back to them. Now there's a similar idea in Israel's law that if a man died without having a child as an heir, that the man's brother was expected to marry his widow and have a child with her so that that child would then continue the lineage of the dead brother. Sort of on, on behalf of the person who had died, that, that the brother would step in and, and help redeem the situation to provide an heir for that person who had died. And, and it seems that, that a kinsman redeemer could also fulfill this role, especially if, if there was no living brother to step in, that another relative, a kinsman redeemer, could, could fill, fill that role as well. And this is exactly the situation that Naomi and Ruth were in. They were both widows, and they had no children left, right? Naomi had had two sons, but they were both dead. And so the lineage of Naomi's husband, Elimelech, was going to end right there with Naomi and Ruth. And so Naomi, when she hears about the fact that, that Ruth has gone to this field of Boaz, and realizes he's a kinsman redeemer, she begins to wonder could Boaz maybe fulfill this role of helping to keep her husband's line alive? Would, would he maybe be willing to marry Ruth as a kinsman redeemer um, and maybe to have an heir for the sake of her, son, her, her, her husband and their, and their sons? So that's an element of what, what, what Naomi's kind of thinking about here. But Naomi isn't only concerned about their family's lineage because in verse 1 of our text, Naomi says to Ruth, my daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? And so, so Naomi is also concerned with Ruth herself, with Ruth's well-being. Um, she knows that she's not going to be around forever. And she doesn't want Ruth to have to be alone when the time comes. And so Naomi has this, this love 
this concern for her daughter-in-law that leads her to think, what can we do to help set Ruth up? And this love drives her to come up with a risky plan. So what is this plan that Naomi comes up with? Well, she, she knows that Boaz will be at the threshing floor that evening. Uh, the threshing floor was a, a place where harvesters would, would bring the wheat or the barley that they had, um, that they had harvested from the fields. And, and at the threshing floor, they would, they would beat the, 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 the stalks to get the grain out of them. Um, and one of the things that, that Naomi mentions specifically is that Boaz would be winnowing barley which describes this process of throwing the barley into the air. And this, this picture kind of shows that visually, where they would take these forks and throw the barley up, and, and after they had been crushed, the chaff, which was kind of light, would, would, would just you know, separate from the grain. The grain would fall to the ground, and the chaff would kind of float off a little bit further away. It was a way of separating the grain that was, that was going to be useful. And so Naomi knows Boaz is going to be winnowing barley at the threshing floor this evening, and so then, then she comes up with these instructions for Ruth, which get a little bit more risky. So she tells Ruth, wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he is finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear those instructions, I start to wonder a little bit, like, Naomi, what, what's going on here? Like, what are you really thinking? What's, what's kind of the, your, your end game that, of what you're, what you're wanting to do here with, with Ruth? Um, is this really the best way for Ruth to show that she would like Boaz to marry her? I mean, sneak up on a guy while he's sleeping, lift up his blanket, lie down at his feet while you're wearing perfume and your best clothes and then wait for him to wake up and tell you what to do? This is like a risky situation here, right? What is, what's going on here? And now add to this the fact that in that culture, the threshing floor was actually often associated with sexual immorality, that prostitutes would often visit men at the threshing floor. So what is Naomi thinking here? I mean, what does she think is going to happen? Why, why does she think that this is a good idea, a good approach for Ruth? Well, biblical interpreters have had all kinds of different opinions about Naomi's plan here. Many different interpretations of what's, what's going on here. Um, some see this as, this is Naomi kind of trying to take things into her own hands here. Um, trying to manipulate the situation to, to get Boaz's attention. And so her end goal is good. You know, she wants Ruth to be married, but the way she goes about it, this plan is a little bit sketchy. It's maybe not the, the, the smartest idea. Others wonder if maybe this was kind of a common custom in that culture for a woman to indicate her interest in marriage. The problem is that there's no other recorded example of this in the Old Testament or in other ancient literature that coming up to a guy in the middle of the night uncovering his feet was like a, a common way to show I want to marry you. That that wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a, uh, a common practice. Now others wonder, maybe Naomi, although she's, you know, she's taking a risk by doing this, that she is so confident in the integrity of Boaz that although there's some risk and misinterpretation here, she believes that Boaz is going to do the right thing 
and that, and that he's going to interpret this as just a, a request to be their kinsman redeemer. Now, unfortunately, the text doesn't tell us Naomi's specific reasons for this, this late-night plan that she, that she concocts. But you've got to admit, it's a risky one, right? It is a risky plan. Um, Ruth's actions could have easily been interpreted in a sexual seductive way, which could have either led to Boaz rejecting her, kind of being appalled by this, right, and just saying, I don't want anything to do with you, or he could have been tempted into acting inappropriately in this situation. So Naomi's plan, it may not have been necessarily the wisest one, but we have to also see a little bit behind it. There is there is a, a desire behind this plan that is, that is motivated by love and concern for Ruth. That Naomi, she wants what's best for her, her daughter-in-law. Um, and she sees Boaz as, as this kinsman redeemer who can help not just her and her family's line, but who can actually provide for her daughter-in-law. And so she suggests this risky plan to Ruth, hoping that it will lead to, a, to her desired result. We're going to come back to this a little bit later, um, but I want to take now a look at at what Ruth does. So Ruth, she agrees to follow Naomi's plan here, and she does, but then she adds her own twist to it. So let's take a look at Ruth, who gives a risky request, a risky request. Um, Ruth, she goes to the threshing floor. She waits until Boaz has finished eating and drinking. She lies down at, uh, he lies down at the far end of a grain pile. Um, she, you know, she waits for the, the right moment. And then she approaches quietly. She uncovers his feet like Naomi had told her to do. She lies down and she waits. Now, one of the reasons that Naomi um, probably told Ruth to uncover Boaz's feet was so that his feet would be exposed to the cool night air. Um, and, that, and that possibly that might wake him up in the middle of the night without her having to kind of wake him up. But that, but that you know, sometimes your covers fall off in the middle of the night and you get a little cold and it kind of startles you and wakes you up. Um, and this seems to be maybe what happened to Boaz. Uh, the text says that something startled him. Maybe it was his, his exposed feet to the air. But in any case, he wakes up, he discovers there's this woman lying at his feet and Boaz asks, who are you? Now he doesn't know who this woman is. And so Ruth replies, I am your servant, Ruth. Now remember, what Naomi told Ruth to do was at this stage, then to just wait and see what Boaz does. Which again, kind of a risky approach there. But Ruth actually doesn't wait for Boaz to speak. She actually takes the initiative and she gives this risky request. In verse 9, she says, I am your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. Now, on the surface, that might also sound kind of like a little bit of a risky, um, you know, questionable kind of request here. Is Ruth asking Boaz to kind of invite her under the covers? But no, actually, this expression is something culturally that meant there was an, there, it referred to marriage. Um, there's a, in, in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 8, God actually uses this expression, spreading the co- corner of the garment over, to talk about entering into a marriage covenant with Israel. 
And so God kind of gives this metaphor of, 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 of himself with Israel. He says, I, will, I, I spread my garment over you, illustrating this, this covenant of marriage. And so unlike Naomi's instructions, which were kind of ambiguous, what's going to happen here, Ruth actually is very clear with Boaz. She says, no, no, no Boaz, what I want you to do is, is I want you to be, I want you to, to take me as your wife. Um, and she expresses that desire here. Um, and, she, and she highlights that fact by saying, for you are a kinsman redeemer. You are one who can help redeem our situation. Not only that, but, but Ruth's words here also echo what Boaz actually said to her um, in, in the last chapter when they first met. Boaz, in, in chapter 2, verse 12, said to Ruth, May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Now, the Hebrew word for wings is actually the same word that's used to talk about this corner of the garment. And so what Ruth is saying here is that, you know, Boaz, you, you, you wanted the Lord. You, you, you saw that the Lord was, was, was putting his wings around me for refuge. And now I'm asking you, Boaz, to do that for me, to be the physical representation of God's covering and to do that from in my life as well. By taking me as your wife, you're going to be fulfilling exactly what you said to me, being this expression of God protecting and caring for me. But this request, although it's, it's clearer than what Naomi had said, it's still risky. There's risk involved with Ruth doing this because it was completely countercultural for a woman to propose to a man. That's basically what Ruth is doing here, right? Saying, I want, I want to marry you. Will you, will you have me? Um, it was also very countercultural for a younger person to express that to an older person and for a field worker to a field owner. Just think about the imbalance that exists here between Ruth and Boaz. This is a risky um, request that she's making. And remember again that Ruth is a Moabite. She is a foreigner. And so she is making this request to this man of standing, Boaz, to say, I, Ruth, a foreigner, a worker in the field, I'm coming with you to, to, to ask you to, to, to take me under your wings. And the fact that she comes again in the middle of the night at the threshing floor, laying at his feet, this all puts Boaz in a very awkward situation. You know, he could easily, in this situation, have, have said no. I'm not interested in this, Ruth. But before we get to Boaz's response, I just want you to, to, to see that just like Naomi, the reason that Ruth does this, the reason that she gives this risky request, is out of love. First of all, it's out of love for Naomi. That Ruth herself, she, she is showing love to her mother-in-law by making this request of Boaz. Because she knows that, that if Boaz were to take her as, as his, her, his wife, it would not only benefit her, but it would, it would, it would benefit Naomi greatly. That actually, it would, it would provide for Naomi's needs. It would provide for a, an heir to, um, to Elimelech's line. But also by doing this, Ruth also shows a risky love for Boaz. She shows that, she's, that she is showing love to Boaz. She's showing that, that she's not interested in just a, a one-night moment in the threshing field, but she's actually looking for a deep commitment from, from this man. And, and she's willing to put herself in a very vulnerable situation 
in order to ask him uh, to, to, to have her as his wife. So how does Boaz respond? Let's look at Boaz, who shows a risky redemption. Uh, Boaz, as I said, he could have easily rejected Ruth. Uh, He could have criticized her for coming in the middle of the night on the threshing floor, said, what in the world are you thinking, Ruth? Why Why are you putting yourself in this situation? But instead, how does Boaz respond? Verses 10 and 11 says, The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. So Boaz, he receives Ruth's proposal as kindness to him. He says, you've shown kindness to me by doing this, Ruth. He's impressed that, that she hasn't run after younger men, but that she's approached him, an older man, and, and, she, and she, he praises her as a woman of noble character. He doesn't see anything askew with what has just happened, even though, again, could have easily misread the situation, but he says, no, 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 I know, Ruth, you're a woman of noble character, and so your intention in coming here to the threshing floor, I see there's a noble intention here. You're not here for anything. You're, you're here because you're caring for your mother-in-law. You're caring for me, too, by, by, by bringing this. And so he says, I will do for you all that you ask. I will do for you what you ask, which he, again, he knows what she's asking is, is, for, is for marriage, for, to be her redeemer. But there's a catch. In verses 12 and 13, he says, Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good. Let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as sure as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. Boaz knows that he's not the only one who could step into this role. And so Boaz, he wants to do what is right. He, if he is going to marry Ruth, he wants to be sure that everything is done according to God's law. And so he wants to provide this other kinsman redeemer an opportunity to take that role, um, even though he sees this as a kindness from Ruth. And so, so he says, you know, I'm going to go talk to that kinsman redeemer in the morning, and we're going we're to sort this all out. Now, there's some tension in the narrative at this point, um, kind of like what I was talking about earlier in some romantic comedies, right? What's going to happen? Is this other kinsman redeemer going to step up and, and, and marry Ruth? And this, you know, this potential thing with Ruth and Boaz isn't going to happen. Or will Boaz and Ruth end up together in the end? We don't get the, end, the answer to that question um, until the next and final chapter of the book, chapter 4, which we'll look at next Sunday. But spoiler alert, they end up together. I think probably most of us know that uh, already, but, um, but they do end up together. But we don't see the fullness of that redemption, right? The fact that of Boaz actually redeeming Ruth until the next chapter. But just like Naomi's plan and Ruth's request, I want us, us to see how Boaz's redemption, which, which will eventually happen in the next chapter, it also involves some risk. Because there's some risk for Boaz, first of all, to allow Ruth to even stay on the threshing floor that night. Um, if, 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 if it had been found out that she was there, it could have deeply damaged Boaz's reputation, uh, the fact that, that he let Ruth stay there. 
But it is out of love for Ruth that he says, wait here until the morning when it's safe for you to be able to go back to your, to your mother-in-law, Naomi. Um, it would have been dangerous for her to, to, to travel in the middle of the night. But even more significantly, Boaz's willingness to be a kinsman redeemer for Ruth, to marry her itself, was risky. Boaz didn't need to take on this role. Uh, Ruth was a Moabite. She was a foreigner. The law of Israel was clear that a brother should marry his dead brother's widow, but he wasn't the brother, right? This was, this was, he was a little bit more far removed from the situation. And so Boaz could have easily said, you know what? It's not really my responsibility, Ruth. You know, there's another kinsman redeemer out there. Go try to find that person. There's cost involved in, in marrying Ruth for Boaz, too. As we're going to see next week, it will involve purchasing the land that Naomi and Elimelech had owned and, and, and putting down a payment for that land, again, redeeming it for Ruth um, and for Naomi. It would also involve taking on the role of trying to have a child with Ruth. But this child would not be seen only as Boaz's child, but he would actually be seen as the, the heir of Elimelech's line. That he'd be doing it, not just for himself, but he'd be doing it for this dead relative that was out there too. And so Boaz's willingness to, to, to take on this role of being a redeemer, it also involved risk, it also involved cost. The benefit would be primarily for Naomi and Ruth, not for himself. But as we're going to see next week, Boaz willingly and eagerly accepts those costs um, and risks to himself. Why? Because he too has deep love. He loves Ruth. And he loves Naomi. And he shows this visibly at the end of our passage where he pours six measures of barley into Ruth's shawl. We don't know the exact measurement that, that that's talking about there, but it was a lot of grain that she's tugging home with her in her shawl as she goes home. And, and Boaz tells her specifically, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. I want you to bring this grain and bring it specifically for Naomi. Because Boaz is wanting to communicate to Naomi that, that he is going to care for Ruth and he's going to care for her as well. And so Naomi, when, when, when she sees Ruth coming back with this bunch of grain, she hears all of what had happened. She says in verse 18, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. So Naomi, who we saw earlier in this chapter, very well may have tried to kind of take things into her own hands that night by this kind of risky plan, she now is transformed into a place where she says, it's out of my hands. We can wait. We can wait on the Lord's provision. Boaz, he's going to do what's right. We can trust in that. Now, as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, one of the amazing things about the story of Ruth is how it points beyond just Ruth and Boaz and Naomi. It points ahead to Jesus. And so I just want to wrap up by just reflecting on how this whole narrative we've been talking about just kind of points to Jesus. Because Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. We are in a way worse situation than Naomi and Ruth were. Naomi and Ruth were in a very vulnerable situation. They were in need. But we, because of our sin, are spiritually indebted to God. We, are, we owe a debt that we can never pay back. 
We are slaves to sin in the same way that a kinsman redeemer would have to redeem someone out of slavery. We are slaves to sin. And as we talked about last week, like, like Ruth being a Moabite who was an enemy of Israel, we are enemies of God. And so we are in a, a, a situation where we deeply need to be redeemed. We need to be bought back. We need to be saved. And just like Ruth and Naomi, God didn't have to do that for us. He didn't have to. Boaz didn't have to redeem Ruth and Naomi. He could have rejected us, just like Boaz could have rejected Ruth on the threshing floor. But just like Boaz, Jesus willingly, eagerly accepts the role of the Redeemer. And just like Boaz, he did not rest until the matter was settled. He went out of his way to redeem us. He bore a tremendous cost of being our Redeemer, a much greater cost than, than Boaz paid to redeem Ruth and Naomi. He was willing to pay the cost of his own life, of taking on our sin upon himself, dying on the cross to save us. Ruth and Naomi, they were helpless to save themselves. They needed someone else. They needed a redeemer to save them. And you and I, guess what? We are in the exact same situation. We cannot save ourselves. We are, we are helpless, just like Ruth was, to plea for mercy. God, will you redeem me? I don't know you don't have to, but will you? And this is something that only Jesus has accomplished for us. We don't have to come up with a plan like Naomi did. We don't have to manipulate Jesus to try to convince him to, to, that we're really worthy of, of his redemption. We don't need to put on our best clothes and put on perfume and, and try to, to convince him that, that, that we're worthy. No, no, no. Jesus actually comes to us in all of our dirtiness, all of our sin, all of our brokenness, and he reaches out to us. And he invites us to come under his wings of refuge, just as Boaz did for Ruth. But unlike Boaz, there was, there's no other kinsman redeemer in our story with Jesus. Jesus alone is the kinsman redeemer. There's no one else. He alone has paid the price and he alone has offered that redemption to us freely. To come under his wings of redemption. To receive all that he's given to us. And we simply trust him. Coming under his wings of protection. Maybe you're here today. And, and you recognize that, that you need a redeemer. Maybe you recognize that, that you need someone to save you from your sin. That, that maybe you've been trying to... Maybe you've been trying to, to, to find a way to work your way into God's good graces. Maybe you've been trying to, to pull a Naomi and, and trying to see if there's a way that, that you can somehow show God that, that you're worthy of his redemption. No, 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 we don't have to do that. We simply acknowledge that we're broken, that we're sinful, and Jesus will reach to us. Maybe you're here today and you have come under the wings of your, your, your Redeemer, Jesus. And maybe... Today, he is simply inviting you to rest in what he's done for you, to recognize the great cost that he has borne for you, and to realize that he didn't have to do that. 
but he did it because of his great love for you. After I pray, we're going to sing a song of response. It's called The Love of God. And the, the lyrics in this hymn are just are so powerful. It speaks of the amazing, unconditional nature of God's love for us. And the first verse, I just want to read that first verse for you. It says, The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. This is the love of God. The love of God that was willing to go that far for you and me. The risky, costly love that Jesus showed to you and me as our kinsman redeemer. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this image as we see of, in the story of Ruth and Boaz of, of how deeply you have loved us. Lord, we pray that you'd give us eyes to see through the actions of Boaz to see that, this, that you went above and beyond even what Boaz showed to Ruth to love us. We who don't deserve your love, we who are your enemies, who have sinned against you, who have rebelled against you, and yet you, Lord, invite us under your wing of protection for, for, to forgive us, to cleanse us, and to call us your own, to invite us into being a part of the bride of Christ, a bride that is spotless, not because of anything about us, but because you have washed us in your blood. And so, Lord, help us to see that we are that spotless bride of Christ, to embrace that reality, Lord, that you have cleaned us, that you love us deeply, and that we would sing of your love in response to your, to this love that you have shown to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.